a song of fire and destruction. Well, that was interesting, Chyla remarked as she put him down by the pool. I think we need to alter our plans and get to Melde sooner than we intended. I propose we do the first two villages on our route, which will take us by one of the Bardic Rendezvous, once I've checked in there we will go directly to the Bardic College. We can get there in about ten days. That sounds good, Jyla. You mentioned I might be able to get some training there and it is starting to become apparent that I have been rather lucky so far. I'm also not thinking as a maid should. The Queen of Autumn should not have needed to remind me that I can use a contingency spell, although one far more powerful than I have tried before. What's a contingency spell? I don't believe we have that in bardic magic. You don't really need that ability. Your magic builds slowly. Wizards cast very quickly which increases the likelihood of things going wrong. Contingencies allow us to guard against foreseeable problems. Can you give me an example? Jyla asked, a genuine interest in her eyes. Lanterny had a small apartment in a large block that had been designed for scholars. The apartment was quite small and very cold in winter. Its best feature was a large inglenook fireplace which we practically lived in during the cold months. My master couldn't afford to have a separate casting room and he was a scholar more than a practitioner anyway so any work he did often took place on the ample hearth. As he used the fire for power it wasn't uncommon for there to be minor flare-ups whenever a spell went wrong. Lantern rigged a jug of water over his work area and used a contingency spell that would cause it to tip on a command from either of us. It is a simple concept. So, you intend to link a contingency spell to the stone you took from the fairy glade, that's why you wanted to take it from the fire pit. It will make it easier for you as the pebble is already associated with flame. Jyla then smiled at him. Does it help that the last fire from that hearth was one you made using your magic? Exactly, there is something known as magical familiarity. Once a mage uses something in a spell it becomes easier for them to cast a spell with that equipment. Bards also prefer using familiar instruments to cast your spells. What I have to do is a lot harder than casting a contingency spell, that is actually only the trigger mechanism for a larger much more powerful spell. The cat smiled at his friend, what I have to do is to create a single-use magical item. Fortunately, I don't have to add multiple activations or make it permanent, both of which are beyond both my skill and knowledge. The closest I have done is to make a self-lighting candle with Lantern's guidance. I just haven't done anything this big before. Fortunately, that was a fire spell. Another good thing is that I won't have to provide the power to start the fire only to change sound and light into flame. My spell will be rather like the yeast that turns apple juice into cider only a lot quicker. Can I do anything to help? Jyla asked. Watch over me and break the spell if you think I'm putting too much energy into it. What have you decided to use as your trigger for the main spell? Any violent blow. If I can't think of anything else, I intend to fly over the dead trees. If you cast your disc as I drop the stone, the crystal will shatter about the time the stone lands. If I cast the contingency spell correctly it will be active for about 20 seconds before dissipating. The bard stroked the cat's head. I can think of a better way of triggering the spell than that. Do you think you could lodge the stone in one of the top branches of the tree you climbed earlier with a small piece of red ribbon to mark its location, if you glided over the wood and then followed your earlier route over the river and back to me? I don't think that would be a problem, Pajala, but how would I trigger it later? In the course of a song I can launch three of my rainbow discs. What I am proposing is that I play what I think of the right vibration to crack the crystal and launch two discs at it. Then for a few bars while changing the tune to something more impactful I can launch my third disc directly at Red Ribbon. If I understood you correctly the old tower is on one bank of the river, perhaps we can find a line of sight from the other side. If you take that into consideration when you place the stone, we should be able to attack them from relative safety. 
Such a long flight would exhaust me considering all the casting I have to do tonight. Kathkin responded thoughtfully, the tip of his tail lashing as he weighed up the options. If I remember correctly there were a couple of large and suitable trees on this side of the river that would do just as well of my original observation point. That would also allow me to fly directly to the target tree, and glide back without having to penetrate very, far into the woods. I would also be inside all the time so you could warn me if I am going into a trap. I will be very tired so you will probably have to carry me tomorrow. If you want to sleep all the way to Melday, my friend, I doubt that I would find you burdensome. The girl laughed at him. Now how do you want to proceed with preparing your firestone? If you make the same size fire that we use every evening when camping I would be grateful, with the exception that I want the pebble built into the center of it, so flame will play all around it. Kathkin lay comfortably near the water and watched the girl as he built the incantation he intended to use in his mind. He hadn't noticed before that she was a perfectionist when it came to magic. She rebuilt the fire three times until she was satisfied with the construction. Finally when he was certain that his spell would do what he envisioned, he reworked it so that the contingency spell was woven through the main incantation without affecting the outcome he wanted. Walking a few paces to the water the cat drank deeply. He did not want any dryness in his throat or mouth to cause him to mispronounce any of the spell's vocalization. It was already hard for him to make all the noises necessary without increasing the difficulty. Jaila, he spoke he spoke as clearly as he could. I am about to start by making a temporary ward. Whatever, you do please don't break the circle until I release the spell. As soon as I sit down again, could you please light my fire? It should take no more than about a half hour to cast my spells. I won't do anything silly. The girl's voice was serious, and she sank into cross-legged position by the fire. Kathkin noticed that she had her satol on her knees, and was relieved that she was ready to cast in case of any emergency. The cat stretched and paced about seven foot away from the fire pit, he turned and started marching in a circle round the fire. He was caterwauling something that sounded vaguely like human speech. The bard noticed that his tail tip was dragging along the ground, and where it trailed a faint blue glowing line came into being. Jyla frowned at that telltale, blue glow. She knew that he was drawing on his own life force to set the ward. He was obviously worried about not being able to draw sufficient energy from their surroundings to power it. There must be, she realized, a limit to the amount of energy a mage could draw from the environment. As he sat down again she poured a few hot embers from her fire pot onto some tinder at the base of the cone of sticks and blew until a small flame caught. Her companion was sitting in what she knew he thought of as his polite posture gazing fixedly at the still small blaze. She could tell when he started summoning energy from his surroundings as the hairs on her arms started to come up. She only wished there were something she could do to help him, but she couldn't help him draw magic from the environment since she wasn't a mage. He started singing, she could hear a cadence in his meows. He was shaking, obviously starting to struggle. She felt very inadequate. Then she smiled, if she could hear a cadence then there was a tune that she could follow. As soon as a bard started learning to use magic, they were instructed how an accompanist could add power to a soloist's magic. She couldn't help him draw magic, but she could provide another source for him to draw on. She listened to the cadence in her friend's voice, caught the rhythm in his song and started playing very softly. Ready to stop if she seemed to be endangering the spell or themselves. Suddenly she felt a tug as if energy were being pulled from her fingers as they moved over the strings of her instrument. Kathkin's trembling subsided and his voice strengthened so she committed herself fully to her music. Willingly gifting him the magic of her art to add to the power that he drew from the rustling of leaves, the babbling of the brook and susurration of the wind in the reeds. Her awareness of her surroundings disappeared she could see the music dancing in her mind and strange images started across her brain. It occurred to her that she might be picturing the way the cat perceived the world, 
gently daring she started singing lightly, the song was wordless just pure music, but she strove to let it represent motes of fire dancing in a blazing whirlwind. Then the cat meowed loudly, fell why guaf felly, gaduch ito fod. Jayula felt the fire beside her flare up and then instantly die away to nothing. The pull on her magic stopped abruptly so she stopped playing. Kathkin was slumped forward panting seemingly breathless after his exertions. It took him a couple of minutes to recover, but she knew he felt triumphant. My lady Bart, he finally gasped at her. We had casually mentioned that our magic could support each other but I had not envisioned such a direct method. I doubt I could have finished my incantation without the power you provided. Thank you, my friend. When we have some spare time, I would like to see if I can aid your magic in a similar way. You surprised me, I must admit, when you used Fae to activate the spell. You might have annoyed them by drawing on their power. You understood what I said? Yes, she smiled fondly at him. A rough translation would be as I so will, let it be. A rather arrogant thing to shout in a glade that links directly to the fairy realm. For an ordinary mortal it would be. Kathkin smiled broadly at his friend. When the queen appointed me as the autumn cat, she created a new position in her court. She then gave me the right to her hearths of privilege that I think I can interpret as referring to all fireplaces in her realm. This glade has a direct link to the fairy realms and that means that this fire pit could loosely be considered one of her hearths. I decided to take a risk and it seems to have paid off. I am after all the autumn cat, so some arrogance is to be expected. What risk would that be O Kathir Hydref? That I might find I owe the Queen of Autumn a small favor. The cat looked at her with a really, woebegone expression on his face. And a small favor to one of the she that can mean years of effort for a mortal. The girl laughed at his expression, then sobered up quickly. Will there be repercussions for us? I don't think so, Jaila. The Queen of Autumn made me one of her court. I pay her honor by using the Fey language in my spell. After all we intend to carry out a course of action that we discussed with her. Kafkin walked over to the fire pit. The pebble lay seemingly untouched on a bed of ashes he turned to his companion and meowed in self-deprecating amusement. I seem to have been guilty of one important oversight. I need to be able to speak to cast my flight spell, however I won't be able to enunciate clearly with a stone in my mouth. Can you suggest a solution? The afternoon is starting to draw in but there is enough light for me to make a small bag out of one of my red hair ribbons. If I put a large loop on it, you could clutch it with your claws and just hang it on a tree. The cat looked around carefully, noting how low the sun was in the sky. We won't have enough time to attack tonight. Would you be able to put a stew on and make the bag before full dark? I don't think we should have a fire tonight in case one of their ornithopters flies over. That won't be a problem and I agree we should eat properly tonight. The bard looked at him quizzically, and while I'm involved in all these domestic chores, what are you going to be doing? and why do I already know I won't like it? I think we both agree that we should attack at first light. He purred reassuringly at his friend. Ideally you should cast as soon as you can see both targets. That means I'll have to place the bag during the low light of the false dawn. Agreed? That sounds sensible calf. I sense a large but coming though. If we are going to get to a place from which we can attack undetected, I am going to have to reconnoiter now. Not only do we need the sight, but I'll have to guide you in while it is still dark. He meowed gently and rubbed himself against her knee. I know you are going to nobly insist on coming with me, but it will be safer if I go alone. As he spoke, she felt him gathering his magic. Before she could stop him, he meowed sharply casting a spell. With a mix of exasperation and fear she watched the cat run up the bank. Changing from a ginger house cat into a black panther as he went, vanishing into the shadows of the willows in a few seconds. Knowing that he was right, she started making a small fire. 
she intended to make a porridge from some dried meat, travel biscuits and vegetables, it would be quick to make and as long as the water was boiling when she added the ingredients it should be ready by the time the fire died. The cat ran quickly, crossing the open land between their camp and the woodland, trusting on patches of shadow to help hide him. Although he did have quite good night vision, he needed at least some light to study the Darltorian's camp. He stopped on the edge of the woodland. Although this side of the river had been clear when he had passed through it that morning, he couldn't be certain that none of the constructs hadn't crossed during the day. He stood still for a few minutes until the regular late evening noises of the woodland reassured him. The diurnal animals were heading into their dens while the nocturnal creatures were starting to come out to eat. Smiling to himself the big cat ghosted into the trees. Even when he had been Lantrony's familiar he had been amazed at the way small, prey animals were able to ignore dangers that didn't directly threaten them. Small creatures froze when he went past, but as soon as they realized that he wasn't hunting none of them sounded their alarm calls. He quickly found a game trail as he could smell mud close by, he followed it cautiously. The path ended at a small beach that was obviously used as a watering place. Catkin crouched in cover and studied the other bank of the river he could see the rise of the watchtower about two bow shots upriver. Retreating slightly into the woods he started looking for an easy way through the trees. Carefully scratching every second tree so he could follow his scent in the dark. The cat thought he was roughly halfway to a point where he would be opposite the Darltorian base when he realized that the surface under his paws was firmer. Investigating he found an old, paved path hidden under the leaf litter. Curious Cathkin decided to follow it. It looked very, old, that people did not waste resources building roads, so some time in the past this way had led somewhere. After a while Cathkin found himself standing on a small wharf that surrounded a square pool about ten paces across. The basin was linked to the river by an overgrown channel. The water was clogged with fallen branches and water plants. He could see that the path continued upstream about fifteen paces back from the riverbank. Intrigued he continued following the path. He thought that the dock and track were probably one of the relics left by the northern rangers. Less than a minute later the path turned sharply left towards the water and ended at the base of a low rocky crag. Looking at it he saw narrow stairs cut into the rock. The big cat backed up a few paces then surged forward and sprang up the steps. He found himself standing on a small platform surrounded by a chest-high rocky wall. Carefully he jumped onto the barrier and found himself looking through a thin screen of branches at the river. He was a little way upstream of the watchtower but could clearly see the wood on the other side. A few yards back in the wood a lightning-killed pine tree leaned into the crown of a younger oak. Lantrony had always insisted that cats were lucky creatures and once more it looked like his old master had been right. Full night had fallen by the time he returned to the path and on a whim, he decided to follow it the other way. He noticed that at any place that the loam had scrapped away there was a faint glow from the pathway. The old path emerged from the woods, and he marked the trees on either side of it. In the near distance he could clearly see the line of willows. Returning to his normal size he raced happily back to their camp. He found the bard waiting for him in the shelter of the nearest willow, although she appeared to be completely relaxed and unworried, he could see her tuning fork was ready in her right hand and she was wearing a heavy bracelet on her left wrist. She was obviously ready to fight if he had been pursued. She touched his head lightly in greeting and then led him to a large clump of bushes about twenty paces out into the grassland. She pushed through the outer screen, and he found that there was a surprisingly large declivity hidden inside the thicket that was large enough for the pony in their camp. I realized that the fire pit would remain hot for hours and that the Darltorians might have sensed the spell you cast today. I thought that it might be prudent to camp slightly away from there. She smiled contentedly, I cast a small spell of opening, hopefully anyone looking for the mage might think we return to the fairy realm. Well done, he purred his thanks. 
I fear that I'm too tired to think of such sensible precautions. Jayala placed a bowl of warm stew in front of him and as he ate, she showed him a cunning little net sack that she had knotted out of cord and red ribbon. She had very clever hands he thought. The little bag was well constructed, and he could see that the stone could not fall out of it. The cat described his reconnaissance, spending more time and he had intended describing the old hidden dock and watch platform. Jayala found she was very, interested in the ruins and determined that when the war was over she would like to investigate all these old traces and see whether she could add to the Bardic College's knowledge of previous civilizations. Deep in her heart she hoped that it was an investigation that she could do with Kathkin and perhaps Timon. Perhaps she could persuade her masters, that such an investigation would benefit from being conducted by a bard, a healer, and a mage. She knew she was very persuasive but then her audience were also trained in the same methods she would use. It was worth having a conversation with her feline friend, maybe Lantrony had shared some knowledge with his ex-familiar that would prove the value of her idea. Wordlessly, they went to sleep trusting on the cat's innate, danger sense. They were both very tired and knew that they would be using their magic very, early the next morning, so a good night's sleep was vital, sharing the girls' bedding as was their custom. Kathkin woke suddenly as he felt Jaila's arms tighten around him. Feeling him stir she breathed softly, keep still, one of the ornithopters is approaching the wood. Now that he was awake, he heard the characteristic sound of the flying machine's engine growing in volume as it approached. Very carefully he crept up out of the declivity and crouched under the last bush where he could see the line of willows with the wood beyond it. He felt the girl come up behind him and settle down further into the thicket. They watched as the vehicle approached quickly. Slowed down and came to a hover, then descended into the wood. Do you think that this is a regular visit? The bard said softly, I would have expected them to avoid what I think is a covert outpost. I agree, I wonder if they became alarmed when I killed that construct and reported it to their superiors. Whatever the reason I hope that they leave quickly. Perhaps this visit might work to our advantage. It could distract them and make it easier to place the stone. Or scare them enough to be extra vigilant, the cat responded pessimistically. They watched for around an hour before the ornithopter rose from the woods. Turned towards the sea and raced away. After that Kathkin found it impossible to sleep, although the bard managed to get several more hours rest. About half an hour before the cat thought they should move he heard soft movements behind him or looking over his shoulder saw the girl carefully packing up their small camp and loading their equipment onto the pony. He was about to remonstrate that they shouldn't take the animal near the wood when he realized that the bard was ensuring that they could flee the area without having to worry about the equipment. She was a pleasure to travel with. Jayla knew what she was doing and she worked quickly and with a minimum of fuss. A few minutes later she crept up beside him her hand came forward and placed a leaf in front of him with a small pile of shaved dried beef which had some sort of syrup drizzled onto it. He sniffed at the offering and then tentatively touched his tongue to it. It was absolutely, delicious, the essential saltiness of the beef was balanced by tart sweetness from what was obviously a fruit and herb cordial. He gratefully devoured all of it and quietly purred his thanks. What was that syrup? I don't recognize it in any way I don't think it's something that a cat is meant to like, but like your teas I found that I enjoyed it very much. A pleasure to share it with you Kathkin, we call it S's tonic. It is made by the healers and all journeying bards carry a small bottle of it. Apparently, it is hard to make so we are taught to use it only in desperate circumstances. Even if the day goes well both of us will be expending a lot of magic, so I thought adding a few drops to our breakfasts was reasonable. So, we have added a small bit of healer hall knowledge to this morning's enterprise. The cat purred loudly, there's a rightness to that. Kathkin inspected his friend. She was wearing trousers and a jerkin with an irregular leaf pattern of autumnal colors. 
A hood with an integral veil and mask covered her head allowing her to blend into the shadows. It initially surprised him but then he realized that there must be times when bards had to move through unfriendly territory. He could see her dagger on the right side of her belt, but she seemed to have no musical instruments. If you get your satol, dear friend, I think we should start. Master Cat, I am already fully armed I have my pipe hidden in my tunic and the tuning fork up my sleeve. The spells I must cast today require power not finesse. Anyway if we have to run through trees my instrument case will only get in the way. The girl gestured for him to move forward so he glided out of cover confident that she would follow carefully. He knew he could rely on her, so he concentrated fully on the path ahead of him. Once they reached the edge of the wood the bard, slowed down allowing him to steady the area ahead before he moved forward. He approved of the way that she paused at the same places he had but kept two stops behind him. If either of them was attacked the other would be unlikely to be involved in the fight and should have time to cast a spell in the other's defense. The woods were full of the normal early morning sounds. The dawn chorus was in full flow and the few birds that sounded an alarm at their passing were lost in the general melody. Kafkin reflected that this was a really good time of day to hunt and felt a bit frustrated that he couldn't indulge that facet of his nature. He let that kittenish thought run through the brain for a few moments before reminded himself that he was hunting bigger game. He had crossed a line that might make humans turn on him when he killed in Jayala's defense. Ordinary people didn't seem to like man-killing animals that much. He would have to talk to Master Kalpin and see if the healer had any ideas on how he could make himself safer in the future. As they approached the river a mist started to gather around them. He stopped and sniffed carefully then reassured carried on. It wasn't magical and would help to hide Jayala and him until they attacked. After what seemed like an eternity they came to the hidden platform and the bard looked carefully over the parapet. The mist, although thin, nearly concealed most of the river and still provided some tenuous cover to their viewpoint. The grey light of the false dawn allowed the bard to see the old watchtower which stood a little higher. The crystal and its frame were in clear sight. A large ring of metal had now been mounted vertically above the frame and some type of cabling ran from it to the top of the crystal. On either side of the ring there were empty support brackets, so it was obvious that the Darltorians had not finished building their device. There was a chance, she thought, that the new parts explained the previous evening's visit by the invader's flying machine. The cat jumped up and crouched by his friend. Flipping his tail forward he used its tip to indicate the tree where he was going to place the stone. Knowing that there was no benefit in waiting the girl held out the pouch so that he could grasp the loop in his claws. The bard concentrated, isolating the background hum. Once she was sure that she had identified the exact note she began humming very softly slowly altering the sound until she had an exact match. A bard could change the frequency of the note produced by their tuning fork. It was a magical effect that was built into the tool and linked to each individual bard. While she was humming the fork had started vibrating, changing frequency to match her voice. Once she was certain that she had properly duplicated the frequency she stared singing, improvising around the note she wanted and building the power she needed for her spell. Kafkin started forming his flight spell in his mind. Looking at the mist he decided not to risk pulling the energy from the environment which might alert the Darltorians or, even worse accidentally draw power from Jayla. When fleeing Henstrakel he had cast it using his own mental strength and he decided to use his own reserves. Then slowly and as quietly as possible he cast the spell and as his wings formed, he stepped off the parapet and glided across the river allowing the mist to conceal him. As soon as he cleared the opposite bank, he started to beat strongly gaining height as quickly as possible. Jaila saw Kathkin come up out of the mist and quickly climb up to his chosen tree. He landed on one of the branches that pointed towards the watchtower and hung the bag over a small projection so that it hung down in clear view. The bard started to build up to a crescendo. 
her song was going to have to peak three times, once for each of her discs. She was concentrating on the crystal in its frame, waiting for her friend to get to safety before releasing the spell. Kathkin dropped from the tree and began to glide back towards the viewing point when the bard saw a movement behind the watchtower's ruin wall. Horrified she saw one of the Darltorians raise a long tube and point it towards her friend. She couldn't warn him without releasing the spell and she knew that he was within the blast radius of the crystal if it exploded. The Darltorian smiled wolfishly, there was a loud hiss, a venting of steam and something that looked like a ball of black smoke shot from the end towards the flying cat. In the few seconds it took to cover the distance the projectile expanded to become a writhing mass of nebulous tentacles, that hit Kathkin in the back and then wrapped round him. The cat's spell failed and with a pained meow he fell towards the river. Jayula, in an agony of desperation, struck her tuning fork against the parapet of the viewpoint and released two discs sending them looping towards the crystal. The Darltorian swung the hissing rod towards her side of the river but had not managed to locate her when the two discs slammed into the frame, and both began to hum. The invader's device started pulsing and then flared as it overloaded. The girl screamed out one pure note and a third disc, powered by the raw emotions generated by seeing her friend fall, shot from her tuning fork towards the firestone in its bag. She didn't wait any longer but vaulted onto the parapet, hastily putting the tuning fork into a pocket then jumped strongly off the wall and out over the river. She was underwater when the crystal fractured. The flash was almost blinding even when filtered by the mist and water. Then the firestone detonated converting the pulse of power from the Darltorian device into a firestorm that ignited the woods on both sides of the river. For a few seconds, the surface of the river was brightly lit, and she spotted the cat's body twisting in the current. She swam strongly and managed to grab her friend. She could see that the woods were ablaze and that leaving the river was not going to be possible. Short of breath she decided to see if she could find some shelter along the bank. Ignoring her growing discomfort and the black spots in her vision she kicked out strongly. In front of her she saw a break in the bank and entered it. She was aware of a tangle of semi-submerged branches in still water that was chalked by a mass of water lilies. Thankfully she surfaced in the cover of a fallen branch that with the vegetation formed something like a cave. She came up under the water plants, so they formed a cape over her head and shoulders and allowed her to hold her friend's face out of the river. She could feel that a lot of his fur had been burnt away but more importantly he wasn't breathing. As an apprentice she had been taught basic first aid by one of the healers attached to the Barda College. They had been taught how to save people by sharing their breath. She knew that when a baby wasn't breathing you were supposed to massage their chest and use your cheeks as a bellows to breath for them as exhaling from your lungs might cause more damage. She pulled air into her mouth, placed her lips round the cat's muzzle and gently exhaled, simultaneously she compressed his chest in time with her breathing. She had started to panic when he felt the cat flex his claws, then he coughed. Suddenly his eyes opened, and he meowed painfully. The cat started struggling and she could see in his eyes that he was in a state of shock. She shifted her hold so that he was cradled in one arm. Placing the forefinger of her other hand on his forehead she started singing. The girl sang of her love for him and as she sang used the music to power a spell of healing. Infusing him with this energy she managed, unthinkingly, to dispel the Darltorian's dark magic that would have killed Kathkin within a few days, even if he survived the initial shock. The fires were starting to die down and she knew that she had to get her friend out of the water. However, she didn't want to walk through the devastated woodland as she feared that the lingering smoke would harm Kathkin's breathing. Holding the cat's head out of the water she made her way back into the river and allowed the current to carry her out of the wood. She glanced towards the watchtower and saw that the ruins had been scoured from the top of the mound. She floated until she was about three bowshots clear of the smoldering woodland and then carefully made her way back to their old camp. Kathkin was deeply unconscious when she reached the declivity. 
Once the cat was comfortably settled, she made a fire and hung her largest pan over the flames. As soon as the water was hot enough, she added the leaves she needed for a restorative tea. She poured some of the drink into a smaller bowl and while waiting for it to cool she tore one of her undershirts, so she ended up with a clean sheet, some bandages, and a small rag. Carefully she sponged the cat's body hoping that the tea would help clean the wounds. Then she carefully wrapped him in the sheet and improvised a soft pad on the pony. She knew that he had been badly hurt and doubted that she had the knowledge to heal him fully. Gathering up their equipment she left the little dell and decided to head at all speed directly for Melde. If she travelled hard using her magic to speed their journey, she could make the Bardic College in four or five days. Book 1 of Cat Mage, A Familiar Alone is now available on Amazon as either an e-book or a paperback. Copyright 2021 Robert War, All Original Rights Reserved. Thank you.